0: Psalm 120, Walking Up Hill Together. Let's read it. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with the warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshek, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace but when I speak, they are for war. As we look at these psalms together, let's first of all remember that they were meant to be sung. That's right, this was Israel's songbook. Specifically, these psalms that were reading a book within the larger book of the psalms were originally intended to be sung While walking uphill. Now, singing does something for us that nothing else can provide. For example, you can remember back to memorizing things when you were in elementary school. Do you remember memorizing the states and the capitals? Each one of our kids as they've gone through lower elementary they've learned the states and the capitals and the way that they memorize all 50 states and all 50 capitals is by learning a song that song putting words to a tune allows your memory and I believe especially when it comes to songs about God's Word allows our spirit to be able to remember, and then be able to really put into practice what we learn. I can remember lyrics of songs that I sung years ago. And if somebody just gives me the first line or two, I can begin singing a song that I haven't sung for years. I don't know how to explain that. You probably are able to do the same thing There's probably in fact some songs written on my mind from when I was a teenager that I'd probably rather not like to admit that I know the words to. I can think of a few. Maybe you can think of a few. But songs have a way of imprinting certain words on our mind. You might know that certain patients suffering from dementia are able to remember certain things when they're around music that they're not able to otherwise can I explain it can you explain it no what we can explain is that God's created us this way and so if we want to remember something a good thing to do is sing it now we don't have songs to each one of these Psalms but I'm going to mention as we walk through them some songs that focus in on the theme that each one of these psalms have. What's the theme of this psalm as you read it perhaps for the first time? There's some things in this psalm initially that might make us question what's going on. Maybe we've never heard of Meshach or Kedar. Maybe we've never heard of a broom bush before. Before we ask questions about things we don't know, let's focus in on what we can know from this passage. We know that this is the beginning of the psalmist's journey uphill. How does the journey begin? It begins with a cry for help. In my distress, I call to the Lord and he answered me. Every one of our journeys with the Lord Begins in the same way. We decide we've had enough. We decide we've tried it our own way and it's not working. And now we're going to turn to the Lord for help. And thanks be to God, he helps us. And he continues to help us. We may have decided to follow him a long time ago, but gone back to our own way. When we cry out for help, he's always there to pick us up. Now, what makes the difference is that our cry for help is not just a cry for rescue from our circumstance or our situation, but that our cry for help is the beginning of a decision to repent. And that's the one-word theme for this psalm: repentance. Repentance isn't just a, an emotion. It isn't just a feeling sorry. Repentance is a decision, a conscious decision to move a different direction. There are certain things that we need to decide not to do if we're going to do some things in our life, and the journey of a disciple is about determining and choosing to do the things that the Lord requires. And that's a long commitment, not a short, let's see if this works. It's a long commitment, and that's what these psalms are about. In a society that wants everything instantaneously, what a blessing it is to have some psalms that encourage a long journey of discipleship. And how important it is that in these psalms that encourage us to walk uphill, that we begin with repentance. Notice a couple statements in this passage that encourage repentance. He says, save me. He says, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. He also encourages seeking peace instead of seeking war. So the psalmist is saying, I've been over here, but now I want to go here. I've been amongst this, but now I want to do this. So there's a decision. The question is, what's going to change? And he encourages us. I think by talking about the things that have impacted him so that we can understand what needs to change in our life as well. What he wants to be saved from is lying lips and deceitful tongues. He says no more lies and it's possible that we need to examine in our own walk what lies we believe so that we might be able to speak the truth and believe the truth. We can look at lies from two different angles, and I think the psalmist here is talking first about people who might be speaking lies around him. We might be surrounded by people who are speaking lies about the world in general, who might be talking about a false way that the world works, or we might be surrounded by people who are lying about us to others. A negative way to respond to those things is to allow them to impact our relationship with that person or to allow them to impact our relationship with other people I know in my own life sometimes when people have said things that are false about me I haven't handled it in a forgiving way and ended up placing blame on somebody else or treating somebody else with anger that didn't even deserve it so sometimes when people lie around us we allow it to impact the way that we treat others. And in this passage, he says, save me from those lying lips and deceitful tongues. What he's asking is, Lord, you take care of those things. Notice he says he will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows and with burning coals of the broom bush. That might not sound pleasant, but what he's doing in order to free himself up for the journey is he's saying, I'm going to let the Lord those who are deceiving and I'm just going to follow him and allow him to do his job while I do my job which is journeying together with him more than just the lies that people say around us oftentimes are the lies we speak to ourselves about ourselves. it's possible to believe lies about ourselves, and then Act in a way that is really incongruent with how God views us we might believe I don't deserve to have the love of God we might we might think I've done too many wrong things to be forgiven those are both things that might have a little nugget of truth about them but if we really look at God's Word aren't true at all. Well, we don't deserve God's love, but he has sent his son. That even though we have sinned and fallen short of his glory, that we have a way to have a relationship with him. And that's impactful, that's transformational. That's the Christian life. And so if we believe those lies and act upon them, we'll, we'll act in such a way that doesn't honor the Lord and doesn't pursue that relationship to its fullest. So as we repent, what do we need to repent about? We need to change our mind about believing the lies of the world. We need to change our mind about believing lies about ourselves. And those are just a few of the lies that we might believe from the world or about ourselves. But the reality is there are many things that we can believe incorrectly. And in order to begin the journey we have to make sure that we're following the truth about what the Lord says. Now another thing that the author speaks of in regards to repentance is his desire to no longer live, he says in Meshek or among the tents of Kedar. Both of these places were places where the nomadic people of southern Russia, these were places far away. Um, places who were known for not being uh, friendly to their neighbors. And in essence, he's saying, I don't want to live amongst the people who are for war anymore. I don't want to live amongst the people who are just nomadically wandering around. I want to have a destination in mind, and I want to be amongst people who are for peace. And that's why he says, I am for peace. But when I speak, they're for war. He's making the decision, I'm going to leave those who are always about war and and speaking of violence, and I'm going to put my pursuit only towards peace. That's a change. That's repentance. That's what's going to change in his life. What are we going to change? How are we going to change? These are all questions that we can ask as we begin our journey walking uphill. As we look through each one of these Psalms, I want to leave you with a verse from the New Testament that encourages us to practice the things that we're discovering in this Psalm. Then I also want to share a story from the Old Testament that illustrates the principle that we're talking about and could in fact be people that walked these very hills that the Israelites would walk as they sang these songs. A verse I'd like you to consider from the New Testament is found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. The writer there says, "Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." In that passage the apostle peter is encouraging those who are reading that letter to view themselves not as people who belong to the world but rather as foreigners or exiles people who were traveling someplace with a distinct purpose and for that reason he says i want you to abstain from certain things i want you not to do certain things because You don't belong to this world. If we understand who we are, if we understand where we're going, then we're going to make a decision not to do some things, and we're going to make a decision on what to do, and that is to follow the Lord. I'll leave you with this story from Genesis chapter 13. Two brothers, Abraham and Lot. A decision had to be made. Their tribes had grown so large, they couldn't just stay in the same place. And so the two brothers discussed. Lot looked out and he saw beautiful, green, lush landscape. And he looked with desire at that place and wanted to head that direction. He knew, as well as Abraham, though, that that direction also meant being near Sodom and Gomorrah, a place that was known for its immorality. And as Abraham looked that direction, he turned his gaze opposite and saw land that wasn't nearly as desirable, land that was going to require you to continue to move about and head a certain direction, land that was actually going to make you trust the Lord all the more because that land, yes, it would provide, but only at a certain standard. Abraham could have very easily said, I want the green country. I want the lush landscape. Lot decided he was going to pitch his tents, in other words, live very close to Sodom and Gomorrah, and yes, experience uh, greenery and lush landscape, but Lot decided to just settle in and be close to those things that were dangerous, whereas Abraham said, I'll head this direction. And although he took the direction or the road less traveled, he decided to take the road that led him greater dependence on God, and ultimately, of course, encouraged his faithfulness as the father of the faithful. And it was in that country where he saw the blessings of the Lord and the promises of the Lord fulfilled over and over. It is in the uphill journey, in the uphill climb, as we choose the difficult way, that we'll find the promises of the Lord fulfilled so as we begin our journey and as we reflect on repentance let's not forget that the lord will fulfill everything he has promised and so the first verse of the first psalm of walking uphill is true in my distress i call